Okay. <clears throat> good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Atlanta Discourse. This is our fourth episode in the series on YouTube. Yes, YouTube, we're there. We, we've been bringing everything to you directly, and we like going straight to the point always. But today, we're coming back with something that really pricks the conscience of people, especially from Africa's largest uh, country. When I say country, I mean population-wise, not landmass. I'm talking Nigeria. We want to take a look at the Nigerian economy. It seems to be spiraling down into the abyss. Why this is so well is not far-fetched. Everybody knows what the, what the problem is. It does seem like nobody knows what the solution is. So it still remains Atlanta discourse. Here, we're trying to embrace all facets of humanity, you know, to disseminate positive news in a world filled with a lot of bad news. We give a lot of uh, voice to the unheard, which is our major uh, credo. We balance the information equation. We search for the facts wherever it leads us. We combine the best of the human race to get the best out of mankind. We search as a bridge between the developing and the developer. We embrace business, arts, sports, IT, health, history, and faith-based issues. We never shy away from the fact. So today, I have two of my best friends and buddies. You know them already. They're here for the second time. We have Ade Juwon and Jory. Ade Juwon, welcome to Atlanta Discuss. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, I have my main man also, Peter Ogurike. Peter, welcome to Atlanta Discuss. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great. Now, these guys, you've seen them before. They just go for the juggler like we do on Atlantic Discourse. They don't take prisoners. They say it the way it is. So now we're talking about the Nigerian economy. And let's just cut the chase and hit the road and say it the way it is. Guys, it is getting out of hand. I don't want to bore anybody by saying in 1962, Nigeria and China were like this. In 1962, Nigeria and South Korea were power. In 19 something, uh, South Korea. Um, Malaysia came here for all time sample. Now they're days. Nigeria in 1960 was the greatest country. You know, all those. I'm actually fed up with the those statistics that people just reel out every now and then. Nigeria should have been. We all know we had economic parity with almost all the Asian tigers, the great countries of Asia, including India and China. You know, we have prospects, we know we refuse to develop it. Gentlemen, let me start with you, Peter. Where did we get it wrong economically? It's I'll tell you where where I think we said we got it wrong. Okay, where you think? Okay, that's why we're asking you. <laughs> so I I think it all started with when some elements realized the amount of money the natural resource crude oil was generating, right? Mm -hmm. And you see, when you don't understand how money works and you don't know how to create wealth, right? What it means is you've been taught to go to work and whatever, provide shelter for the family and feed and clothe yourself. And sadly, that seems to have been the culture or tradition from generations, our parents and their parents, right? It's come on, because even when we're going to school, we say either be doctor, engineer, um, lawyer, whatever, right? It's all about make money, work for somebody, make money, and then take care of your family. Now you have people who are now in government or leadership, 
they now see how easy it is to lay hands on the earnings of a nation in foreign exchange that they now feel well, there's no need to work for it, right? And then that's when the sharing formulas begun. Now, everything from the old agricultural um, sector, everything Nigeria was known for in terms of revenue generation was ignored. You see, I mean, there are basic factors that actually affect the economy, um, the growth economy of, of a country, right? You have land, you have labor, you have capital, you have the whole um, entrepreneurship, right? On the land, you're looking at things like your know, natural resources, which is where you have your oil and gas, coal, and other metals, right? Um, then you have other labor, your people, labor force, creation of work. You know, the more people work based on their qualification, what they bring to the table, there's some kind of taxation, right? And hopefully, it's put back in the system, invested in the system for the good of everybody, right? You go to capital, I'm talking about capital expenditures, organizations, you know, companies, manufacturing. You see, manufacturing was left to just die off, right? So now when you look at all the different, the key factors that actually are sources of revenue generation, being ignored who drives the economy it's not the most wealthy group of people in in a, in, a, in, a, in a society because you have the the very minimal in terms of percentage right it's your middle class and then you talk about uh, entrepreneurship your what people might want to refer to as your micro um, businesses right it's all about what goods and services are we generating? What goods and services are we putting out there for people that meet people's demands, what people the people need, right? It's that trade, trade, the circle has to, I have to have something to offer you for an exchange of be it um, whatever back in the day, but now you can say for cash, right? And then I go back and then I, I come back again with a new uh, goods or services, whatever it might be. And that cycle continues, right? And then in an organized society, I'm paying my taxes as a business person based on a, a percentage of what I've made as in terms of profit. The guy who's in manufacturing, the employees, right? Who are manufacturing goods, goods for whatever distribution, they're being taxed as well. A percentage is being remitted back to the, the society. Now, these taxes are being used to develop the common areas, if I may, right? And organizations are, are, are for profits. They're growing. The bigger they get, they expand. They, as they expand, they employ more people. Revenue growth increases. You cannot generate revenue when all you do is consume. You see, that's sometimes when um, uh, P2B says production, he wants, he wants to take the country from, um, from consumption to production. People just think it's a slogan. No, you need to go back to the basics. That's right. Then you go, you go back and say, okay, well, I mean, when we were all in secondary school, the basic um, 
economics, what, what are the basic factors or what do you call it, the economics or whatever, right? The way you talk about your natural resources, your roads, your security, um, water, and all those basic things, basic amenities, right? You look at Nigeria, for example, all these basic amenities that drive production, that drive entrepreneurship, that drive innovation, they're not there. So how do you, how does such a society go into production? You see, people always like to focus on the, the government, the leadership. You see, if Nigeria has security, roads, good roads, because I mean, if you could manufacture anything, you need to transport, you need to go from the source of production to the, to the, to the consumer, right? Be it the market, be it whatever it is, right? Good roads, electricity, because if you look at the overhead of most organizations, what's killing them actually is electricity. Everybody's doing diesel. They're not profitable. Provide good water. You see, if these three things are in place, because security especially, the citizens are going to drive the economy. The environment is going to be somewhat conducive for investors or early investors to come in. They're going to build on that. And then more people are going to say it's viable and then more people are going to come in. Right? But, but you see, security, especially because, I mean, Nigeria, the situation in Nigeria has deteriorated so badly that the farmer cannot go to the farm without if you're being kidnapped, murdered. I mean, we've seen what's been happening, right? Um, you have people up there who are borrowing money. It's not bad to borrow money, but if you're going to borrow money, you borrow money to grow your business. You don't borrow money to start a business, no. If you want to start a business, do not borrow money to start a business. But once your business is running and it's being, prof is, 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 is being pro is profitable, right? Then you can borrow money to grow it. You look at what the leadership is doing. It's the lazy man's way of, okay, well, they speak all this English, they write all these, I don't know who they think they're deceiving, right? They borrow the money. Okay, what are you growing? No. All they do is they share it among themselves, the lawmakers. So they consume that money, they kill the money right there. The masses are suffering. No food. Now, no, no revenue growth within your economy. You look at what the, the foreign exchange is doing. You have policies that are just, I mean, it's, it's like, they want to do things just so they can check the box that it was done, but nobody's actually reviewing the impact on the economy. Nobody's is, is, is even doing some kind of feasibility analysis to figure out, okay, well, what we're trying to do, is it, is it, has it been tried and tested? They just do these things and throw it out. And then so many people, it's sad. So many Nigerians are so gullible that because of some reason, I'm not sure what it is, they want to believe what is it grammar? You speak big grammar, oh yeah, and then someone comes out and regurgitates the same thing. I'm like, can we just take a take a take a step backwards? Understand what we're talking about. 
this thing they're proposing, say for example, now the current um, leadership is this, this whole big talk about taxes and taxes and taxes. Taxes work, but there has to be a precursor. There has to be a, a foundation for that concept to apply. You're not going to have an, a country. Let me look at it from an, an organizational standpoint. You're not going to have an organization that is not profitable, right? You're not manufacturing. Then you say, okay, well, I'm going to be paying my employees X amount of salaries. Oh, for the formality's sake, we're going to tax you, all right? You're paying them. That's good. They're going to take the money. They're going to go. They're going to live their life and whatever. You're going to tax them based on the taxation. Okay, fine. They're going to give you the money for the taxes. Then what next? <laughs> Organization is not producing. What are you producing? Because you, you, you need to be profitable to be able to take care of your overhead. So the question, why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult? The Nigerians, all these things you are saying, the Nigerians doing it in different parts of the world. Nigerians are doing it for the countries they are domiciled in. If we know, that's why the question, if you listen to what I said earlier on, we all seem to know what to do and all that. You know, that's why I said, how did we get here? Why don't we do the right thing? Is it so difficult to do the right thing? One, I mean, um, early gratification can be one. The other piece is not understanding how money works, right? Because you see, the evils, there's a saying, the evils saying, say, ego keja trigo, as in, it's money they use in making money, right? <laughs> so now, when you look at that equation, you use money to make money. In the Western world, they will call it OPP, right? Other people's money, whatever, right? You take that money, you churn it around, you make profits. If it's borrowed money, you pay back based on the, the times, but you use that to grow. I use $10, I make $11. I'm profitable, I, 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 I have a profit of $1. I turn it around. One dollar is what? Ten percent of ten dollars, and then I repeat. I rinse and I repeat. I rinse and I repeat. Then it gets to a point where I can grow that money at what? A twenty percent, and then with that twenty percent amount, I can use it to get a loan. If I'm lucky, that will. Balance you, you know what? You know what I'm laughing. Yeah, you make it sound so easy. I mean, if it's as easy as you're saying. No, no. <laughs> it's it's easy. Mm. It's easy. The, look at it this way. It's easy. You, it's, it's like, for example, now as an individual, you say, okay, well, I'm, I'm struggling. How do I, how do I, um, and I'm going to digress. How do I, how do I, it's, it's difficult. I want to start a business. I want to grow. The banks are there. The banks are, the bank, the banks, the financial institution designed to make money. The bank does not feed on the money. It houses, right? Which is other people's money, pretty much it's housing, it's keeping, right? The bank really is there to say, hey, Mr. A, Mr. B, what do you have to offer? Can you help us take this money, turn it around so that you can make some money while we make some money? If you can prove that to the bank, 
you're going to be the bank's best friend. Banks are looking for people that have a tested, proven roadmap, or let's say a reputation of being profitable. And the bank is going to give you all the loans you need. When America okay, has- let me just let me cut you off there a bit. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot to say. Have some time, so I'm going to add Johan Jory. How did we get into this morass, so to say? Is there a way out? Thank you very much for, for having me again, along with Peter. Um, the economic situation in Nigeria is very, very sobering. It's so it's so sad that sometimes I just the way you described what we started, like it's paralleling to the abyss. You know, when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, it was always a rhyme that, oh, things are hard. Musicians would sing, you know, which is things are hard, there's no money out there. We didn't know we were living in paradise at the time. Over the past 10 years, let me say 10 years, eight years, since the coming of President Bowari. It has been a complete and total decimation and destruction of Nigeria's economy. Over 133 million Nigerians living in multi-dimensional poverty, abject poverty, penury. 56% unemployment, youth employment, unemployment rate, 56%. Over half of our youth don't have any productive engagements to do. Inflation gone through the roof. For an import-dependent economy, our exchange rate is total. This is bad, man. And it's been coming through the years, like Peter mentioned. Um, we essentially abandoned our intellectual power. We abandoned our productive power. We embraced oil money. Um, around the time we discovered oil was when head of state go on told the world that Nigeria's problem was not money. It was how to spend it. We have way so much money, we didn't even know how to spend it. So we went from a country that was awash with cash or wealth to where we are now. Um, so yes, I think Peter is right on the money. Abandoning production, abandoning manufacturing, collapse of manufacturing, the increase in profligate corruption, like corruption that's mind-boggling capital flights, which has shipped billions of dollars of wealth out of Nigeria. All of these things, knee-jack policies that were not well thought out, that were not well implemented. Copycat policies, cut and paste policies from economies where other factors of wealth generation are in place. These are some of the problems. You go and copy some like structural adjustment program in the 80s, you just bring it home to a country, but we, we have epileptic power supply. We kept devaluing our currency. And now this is where we are today. We are $1, which is for close to a thousand naira. At the same time, income is not green up for our people, and most of them don't even have jobs. So it's been a long journey getting here. The past decade has been worse. President Buhari had no idea what he was doing with the economy, unfortunately. Shut the borders to increase, to improve local production. But the farmers can't go to the farm because of insecurity. There's no electricity to power manufacturing. So what's the production going to come from? And that just drove things down. But there were other issues like global issues like COVID, um, 
the Russia-Ukraine war, the scarcity of food and grain coming from that part of the world, you know, and things like that. So I remember three years ago, during the heat of the COVID, my dad is a pastor. Um, was a pastor in Asaba, in Delta at the time. I just, I woke up one morning and I called him. I said, Daddy, because a pastor in one of the, one of the churches that's not, it's not a new generation church. It's one of the old churches where it's just artisans and people, you know. So, Daddy, how are your people in your church? Because uh, I don't understand. Like, the way prices are going up in Nigeria, because I follow this news on a daily basis. And he told me, he told me straight, straight up, like, it's really, really bad. He's so bad that as a pastor, he can't even ask people to give up food anymore. And that in his house, in this mission house where he lives, a lot of church members just come and dump their kids there after they close from school because the church members don't have food to give their children at home. How is he going to ask them to give offering? Yes. So he said, he said, you know what? The allowance you give me and mom, and that is that I sent to my parents, he used it to feed the children of the church members. So he puts me on the video call and he shows me his house in Asaba. And it was like a nursery school. It was the afternoon and these kids are coming to eat. Their parents could not feed them. So I got, you know, I got a couple of friends together. We, we just sent money to the market, bought bags of uh, rice and beans, shipped it to his church and it distributed to the people during COVID. Because this thing just touches me, I, you know. So um, there's a number of things that has gotten us to this place, uh, and I think that by all means, by by, by all means, our leadership failed us <laughs> without a shadow of doubt. The quality of leadership we have is not good for allowing for allowing this kind of thing to 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 get this this bad. Uh, currency to fall this bad, insecurity to fall this bad, manufacturing to glass or smith line just they just pulled out of Nigeria now. They're going away. That's jobs gone. That's secondary jobs gone. Marketing jobs, ad agency, supplier, whatever it is, gone. And that's been going on for years and decades because it's too expensive to produce in Nigeria, because there's no electricity, because there's no security, because the roads are so bad to get the truck from Lagos. To to, to the north, it's just insanely expensive. So this is where we are. Um, to, to move forward, a lot of people are saying that uh, President Tinubu has, uh, you know, speaking the right moves, <laughs> you know, his policy to remove first subsidy, which, which, which is like yanking the bandage off a saw. It's like yanking the bandage off an open saw without considering the amount of pain it will inflict on the person who is hurt. But we are told that it's gonna things are gonna get better eventually. But right now, people's eyes are seeing red. The unification of the rates, uh, of the forex rates that has been done, which has further caused Naira to slump. So imports are gonna be more expensive. So goods are gonna be more expensive, foods gonna be more expensive. And people, unfortunately, Nigerians are gonna to have to go through it. And we can only hope for the better in the near future. Let me let me let me put this to you right now. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you said. You know, Atlanta discuss we always discuss. I also have an opinion and all that, but I've been pondering over this issue. And what comes to my mind, and I'm going to start with you, I did you want to use this. If in 1966, Izugu, Ifeajuna, all those guys, 
did not plan the January 66 coup. And if, I mean, that was the first coup on paper. So, and of course, there was a retaliatory coup in July of that year from Ritala and the Yorks, and we never looked back. Today, if you look at our politics, everybody, the strategic uh, stakeholders in Nigerian politics are still the military guys. There's retired guys, major general, retired military guys, retired Air Force, retired policemen in Senate, in House of Rep. Now, my question to you is this, if there was no military incursion in our politics, so to say, yeah. in 66, I mean, Valua had finished the tenure and we're just going on democratically like that, you know, in your own opinion, do you think we'll have been better off? Do you think we won't be going to what we're going to now? Well, 100%. Nigeria, in its 60, 63 years now, 63 yeah, years yeah, of existence, yeah, yes. October Nigeria, 1st, yeah. Exactly. So in our 63 years of existence as a corporate entity called Nigeria, you know, independent Nigeria, Nigeria experienced its fastest and highest rate of development between 1960 and 1966. Mm. Yes. In the southwest of Nigeria, under the leadership of the late sage Obafemi Awolowo, Using cocoa money, this was not oil money. This was cocoa money, agriculture, people farming. And we were not, we were not heavily industrialized at the time. Industrialization was coming to agriculture, but it wasn't heavily industrialized. But using the income from cocoa and responsible visionary leadership, Chief Obafemi Awolowo declared free education in the entire Southwest, which pushed the Yorubas ahead in education before other regions caught up with it. Chief Obafemi Awolowo paid the highest minimum wage in Nigeria at the time. Chief Obafemi Awolowo built the biggest and best university in Nigeria at the time, Obafemi Awolowo University of Idaifa. He built the Cocoa House. He built Liberty Stadium. Do you know that under Chief Obafemi Awolowo's leadership in the Southwest, we had TV before half of Europe. The entire Eastern Europe did not have TV. We had, we had TV. Yes, we had the TV. Romanians, and radio. The Bulgarians. Yes, people, yes. yes. We had TV and radio before them. We were ahead of half of Europe. But as soon as the coup happened and it failed, and the military boys took over, they took over military boys, they were not, they're not, they're not trained statesmen. They were not like um Zeke, you know, the Zeke's of this world. Uh, what's the name of the guy? Is he in bad way that was in the east at the time? You know, yeah, about family all over. Yeah, yeah. So, so many they of didn't, those. Yeah, they didn't have this, they didn't have that kind of skill set. And they began what we are talking about now. It was they were the ones that started the destruction. And then laced with all money, they just they lost their minds. And then after coup, they out they tried to outdo each other in corruption and visionlessness. So okay, to answer your question, yeah, yes, on. if we had not had that Jackie interruption into our republic, republican development as a country, we would be faring better now. I, I truly, truly believe that because those statesmen, they had a crew of statesmen behind them that they were training that would have handed over to them. I know for sure in the Southwest, you had like people like Bola Ige, Bisiono Banjo, Latif Jaconde, there was autonomics. They call it, is it autonomics? They call it, it was, a, it was a set of principles that the man was handing down 
to his followers. So we will have had, it will have had steady development. Will, maybe not at the same pace as the Asia Tigers or the United States, or, but it would not be this bad. The military, <laughs> they, they bear a big part of the blame you know, for where we are today. Okay, quick question. Let me just put it to you, this to you before I go to Peter. Now, you know, at that time, we're talking about Western region, Eastern region, Northern region, Midwestern and all that. So when you were mentioning those regions, something came to my mind. I like, they were competing because mm -hmm. when our started uh, UI, the East uh, had Onsuka, the Northern, ABU. Yeah, because they were serious, you know, good rivalry and it was healthy, you know. Mm -hmm. So do you think if we had stayed in the region, this is a yes or no, do you think if we had remained with that political structure of East, West, Northern region, you think Nigeria will also be better off? By far. By, By far. far. And that is why every time Nigeria has convened any form of intellectual gathering to propose a solution to our problems, they always go back to um, devolution of powers. Mm. They call Some people call it, what's the popular term they call it? Uh, restructuring. Restructuring. Yeah, they, call, they call it restructuring, okay. devolution of powers. All of that are shadow attempts at going back to what we were before Agui Ronsi declared a unification of our government as a federal entity. And it completely drove away that healthy rivalry you're talking about. It's with joy. Like when they went Peter will be under Peter Obi's leadership in Anambra State, one of the things that got me on Peter Obi, when I heard that under his leadership, he led Anambra State from in, in WAIC, in education, secondary education, from like number 30 something in, in Nigeria to number one, like literally, they beat everybody. You know, if we had that kind of healthy rivalry between the regions, by, by now, like I said the last time we met, by now, the Eastern region of Nigeria will have produced cars. I know for sure. They will have produced my machine guns. They will have produced ammo tanks. They potentially will have led Africa into aeronautics. I, I, I agree with you. One of my biggest pain points, I, I'm going to say it again, this, because without science and technology, mm. Africa is not going to develop quick. We can't compete without science and technology. And I have studied Africa. I've studied the different nations in Africa. Everybody is endowed. The Igbo are endowed with science and technology. Is in it, is inbuilt. So if we are going to make it through and be able to compete and build our own nuclear plants, how is it that the Nigerian Republic is the seventh largest producer of uranium? They, they give France how many percentage of uranium that powers the electricity? But in Africa, we don't even have a nuclear plant functioning anywhere. Unbelievable. Yes. Who do you, who are the people that you think would have led that innovation? Who are the people that can gather metal at the back of a house? With local tools and knock it together and create something. Let's 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 go to Peter now. Before we go to Peter, there's something I just want to say. You know, I've always said this for as long as maybe when I was in secondary school, because I was privileged to read a, a book, I think it was Begbilly's book about civil war. So I just took an interest in the Nigerian Civil War. And before I knew I'd consumed well over 60 books on oh. that civil war. 
small mm. journal, big journal. I even read Fellow Press. It draws, it draws you to, in. Yeah. So from mobile, so just my command and all that. So mm -hmm. many, you know, I still have a couple of them. So it gave me an insight. And everything I say about that war, everything I pick from that war, is what has been synonymous with all the books I've read. You understand? Mm -hmm. Some might be true and be just three or four books, but there's some things that, you know, you, you see that is uniform. Now, what I'm trying to say is this. I am sure, I am 100% sure, that if Biafra, for example, had been a nation of itself, what you call Southeast and South South, now, I'm sure there will have been a Biafran Airways that, mm -hmm. if not better than Ethiopia Airways, you know, would be I a part with it. I believe that. Yeah. On air, number two, on airport, Calabar port, will have been a major sea hub for the West Africa, East African coast, and even for Africa, they will I have been that. major sea hub. Mm -hmm. Number three is that the public would have never have been in Dangote Cement because the likes of Ibeto, what they were doing in Enugu, the likes, you know, they will have they will have probably done extraordinary things. There was coal, and during that war, they were they didn't really have too much problem with power, despite the shortcomings, the coal in Enugu, Talago, and all that. You know, so like like you said, you know, the I think those regions should have stayed, and it does look to me that in the future, we might just have to go back to it. Because I think we're almost back out to a stage whereby we may not have anything to turn to again. So, Pipta, don't worry, we know you're still there with we did, we did glory. So tell me, you think if the coup of 1960, led by a fair junior, Kaduna Iziogu, even though they tapped the animal coup, I don't think it is from what I've read, that there were so many Yorubas and some middle veteran elements involved in that coup. You think if that coup didn't take place, Nigeria would be better off, Peter? Well, let me put it this way. Um, I don't like dwelling in the past. Mm. It's So if we want to be reasonable, we That's can fair. say it's a 50, mm. right? But there's no way we can tell. Now, the mm. question is, what's the, what's the common denominator between pre that coup and now? Is the Nigerian citizens, right? Mm -hmm. Can say okay, well, the the military were trained combat people. They're not business savvy, and then they came in, and then they, they now made people realize that hey, there's money to be squandered, right? Fine. How long has the country been in the democratic rule? Three right. years now. <laughs> okay. So when you look at it, then you ask. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a very good one. So we, we can't blame the military for whatever happened, right? It's the, the citizens. But 23 years of a democracy, 16 under military turned civilian. Let's not forget. Yes, 16 under the khaki boys, the same class, 1964 um, class. What's, what's, the, what's the percentage of this group of people compared to the citizens of the country? It's a minute, it's a minute number of people. Right? But they wield a lot of power. So yeah. this is the thing. They do. Hold on, hold on one second. So that's why I'm going to, I'm, I'll beg to defy this, in this, in this. Okay, we're, we're here. Let's discuss. Now we're looking at Nigeria. And then sometimes we tend to look at Nigeria as though Nigeria is one state of the country, right? Let's go down to the granular level. How many states in the country? The country of Nigeria, that is, right? are being led by 
the military. These are civilians. Mm -hmm. Some of them are supposedly educated people, mm -hmm. right? If you're not generating, see, they, 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 because the, the country or these states, they've neglect, they neglected manufacturing. So the problem is you cannot produce enough for your local consumption, let alone export. Export. Now you can't export anything. Your foreign exchange, there's no, there's no wishing it away. There's no wealth generation. Yeah. There's no wealth generation. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, you, 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 you can't. You people, you're not going to wake up one day, put a policy, and then boom, the 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 naira starts improving. No, it's a global world. What do you have to offer? Manufacturing sector being neglected, right? Now you look at the the the, the current situation in terms of those who are employed in in Nigeria. The sectors like the private sectors and the rest of them do not make that much do not generate that much money or revenue for the state or the country. Whatever they do, private sector is for profit. At the most, the state might get is taxes on them and well, that's if they even pay, right? So majority of your citizens are not in the workforce. For the kind of population you have, it doesn't make sense. So be it military or no, because there's show me one state in the country that you can say, okay, well, these guys came in and they've set up their state like, a, like a, 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 an organization to where they're doing well and generating income. You know, so many people like to, 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 to brag about Lagos and what somebody whose names have not been mentioned did in Lagos and all whatnot, right? <laughs> Lagos used to be the capital of the country. If anything, that was multiple steps ahead of the rest of the states. Yeah, it's an advantage, no doubt. Yeah. International, the international yeah, start. Everybody, I mean, it's normal. Everybody's going to come in, set up shop, right? Because everybody, it's, it's all about interest. We're going to come into your nation. We're going to come to your country. We're going to come to your state. We're going to come to your company. We're going to do this. If we're going to, if it's if it has to be a lease, fine. We're going to employ some of your 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 employees, you know, or your citizens or whatever. We're going to create jobs for something. Now, if these guys are business savvy and they're able to sit at that negotiating table and negotiate something that is meaningful to the the growth of the the state and their citizens, yeah, they're going to come out well. But you see, education has been nose diving. People send their kids overseas, those who can afford it. What percentage of Nigerians can afford to send their kids overseas to go and study? It's minimal compared to those who cannot. So you look at the nation and its population and majority of them, well, the option they are left with in terms of education deteriorated if you cannot educate your people how are they going to be productive 
you have innovations, you have dreams that are going to the grave. Sadly, that's the situation in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Because the enabling environment is not made available for them to succeed. I remember back in the day, you know, people would say, oh, Abba made it in Abba, made it in Abba, you know, and it was like um, frowned upon as though, oh, it's, it's fake or it's not superior. And then China. But now everybody's going to China to import into the country. Hmm. Now, the standards that we do since are produced, they, I mean, you have all these regulations going on. I'm sure Nigerians don't care. And it's sad. You see, I, I used to look into manufacturing at, at one point in time, right? And then when I was trying to do some um, sort of business or something, you go to Turkey and these Asian countries and you understand, you meet these manufacturers, you understand, okay, well, there are different standards and grades of the quality of whatever you want them to produce for you, right? So now you say, okay, well, I want to be profitable. I mean, if you're doing a, if you're if you're doing a business and then tell you, okay, what's your your return on investment, right? And you can say, okay, well, let's do 25, 30%. Consistency is key. You're not going to want to do like 100 percent You want to do, you don't want to do like, but these days people do things and they want to make a hundred, two hundred, three hundred percent profit, and they say it's business. No, consistency, right? But you see, Nigerians, for example, I'm sure other 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 countries do it. They come to these manufacturers. And they ask for substandard quality because of the greed, right? And they're going to bring it into the country where the people, the citizens, or the consumers are not well informed. They're going to sell it to them at a competitive rate, but not measurable to the quality. So which means more profit for them. The rinse and repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. No regulations in the country to, to check meet all these things. And but the question is, why do you even have to go out when you can do it locally? You see, sometimes you ask me, okay, why, 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 why is this? You look at these two items, they look alike from, a, from an opt, op, op, aesthetically and optics, right? It's when you feel rigidity, you realize, okay, well, there's something wrong. But from a distance, you look at it, they all look the same. Now, why is it that I'm going to invest $10? If I make a profit of $5, that's 50%. That's, 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 that's a lot after over, overhead, right? But no, I'll say, okay, no, I want to invest $10, but I want to make a profit of 20. So then I was, I'm going to say that for 30. Or better still, I'll say, okay, well, if it's going to be $10, that's what the competition is doing. That's the good standard. I'm like, no, provide the ones that is about $1 for me, but I'm going to sell it at that same rate. Or maybe 1% lower so that I appear reasonable or competitive. But that's a ripoff. The greed in, you know, that's what, but when you have regulations and the standard has to be met, then the competition, there's going to be competition, right? You can't fix price. 
well, I mean, Nigerian, I'm sure they, they will do all this, all the unethical things. You know, it's it's about they they say um, whoever you sell, they call you. If I sell to you more above MSRP, then I you be Mugu, right? And then I say, okay, well, I'm profitable and the business is good, which is sad. But when you have a standard, you have regulations, you have a standard. People can afford to spend their money, and they can live with it. That hey. I got the value of what I spent, right? R rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Business is going to be moving. Things are going to be going smoothly. And people know what the expectations are. But now your people come in, have this manufacturer set a low standard. Now, these manufacturers, they're teaching them things because these manufacturers, mind you, are the same people manufacturing for the Western nations, all these other countries and all these organizations that have strict rules. Right, you have people who always, you know, it's like, hey, we're not going to be part of this whole um, like a slave type mentality. People that are going to be working on our materials, our products, or you know, our brand cannot work more than forty hours a week. They are that strict, and then they come in, they, they ask for the logs and things like that. Then you have people coming from a different country. It's like, man, we don't really care about this. Let's cut corners. Let's try and make. You see, you're teaching them that, oh well, you have no value for your people especially when you're dealing with items or goods that actually have to deal with safety. You're, telling, you're, tell, you're sending the, the, the message that, oh, you don't really care for your people. Oh, my, your, my country doesn't have regulations. Oh, we don't, they don't really bother, right? Then guess what? The next time somebody comes from that same country, these manufacturers are going to say, okay, you know what? Let's make some money. That standard, that is $10. They're going to tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, the, you know, um, that's, if you want that standard as $10, it's going to cost you $25. But we can give you $10 for that one that that guy will get for $1. Now, they've set, they've set the bar. They're not making the money. Now, when they, make, when they get so many customers that they can swap like that, giving them a $10 unit price for something that should be $1, you that you said, all those group of people that have said initiating this, um, that have poisoned their mind or fed them or giving them these ideas, when they come, either they still want to work with you or they tell you, oh, the, rate, the rates have gone up. At that point, what can you do? You, you're, you're forced to look for another manufacturer at that point, right? But now you've told them that, hey, all the guys coming to them from your country, you have no regulations, no disregard for your, your citizens. We're going to make profits now. The profit is yeah, but, but I mean, I agree with you, I agree with you 100%. But where I, I disagree is that we actually have regulations, it's nobody's don't follow them, mm -hmm. they don't follow them. What, the standard what? organization of Nigeria, Nigeria, was that so? That's what I'm saying. We don't have regulation, yes. On paper, we have it, but if you're not enforcing it, you can't say you have it because <laughs> you have it, and these guys are doing what they're doing, then you're mm. going to check. Going to check, check them at the point of you know what I think, you know what I think, and this is my honest opinion from the bottom of my heart, from my experience as a Nigerian looking to all that. I think Nigeria is a failed state. Yeah, I think I it's a failed state. That. I would say, yeah, I, I said, like I said, it's my opinion, and I'll give you my reasons. All the major indices for determining whether a state is failed or not, Nigeria takes it health zero, education zero, security zero. Protect, I mean, security, protection of life and property, zero. 
out of the six sub-regions, four are, are in turmoil today, northwest, northeast, uh, north central, and southeast. Four out of six has failed. You understand? The the, the rest, when you say south, south, and uh, southwest, that seem to be relatively peaceful. They, are, they have the issues they're grappling with, too. So security, health, education, comatose. There's no enforcement of it. We cannot even organize free and fair elections. I think that number one is an insignia of failure. You understand? Somebody asked for 350 billion naira. Half of that money, more than half of that money was supposed to be for technology. You understand? And we had an election, that technology did not work. And there's nobody asking, not in law enforcement, not in Nigerian Department of Justice, asking why what you got taxpayers' money to buy is not working. So I think we're a failed state. And I think, I think it's, it's going to get bad. It's going to get worse. It's going to hit rock bottom very soon. It's looking like it every day. And I think the holy hope is that if he hits that rock bottom, it will recalibrate. The mode of recalibration, I don't know. How the recalibration will take place, I don't know. I'm not going to go to that. But I'm not going to allow you guys to leave without talking about Chad, Niger, West Africa, and all that, you know, because, I mean, it's, it's, it's looking to me like if, and I'll say it, if Nigeria ever ventures militarily, the way we are, we are right now, the way the country is structured economically, the way everything is going, it looks like that recalibration is going to come indirectly. Guys, do you think Nigeria should go to Niger? What's your overview? You know, Peter, let me start with you. What's your overview? I mean, we, we do understand that there could be possibility that maybe the president of the day is scared because of what the court is likely to come up with. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you about that later also because I can't, I can't, I don't think I just like step in. But should, should, should it be the responsibility of Nigeria going into, into Niger to enforce uh, a civilian rule or, you know, play big brother role? What are the dynamics? Does it make sense? The utterances of our government so far? I mean, do we know what we're doing? Is the ship of state rule dialect? You understand what I'm saying? So what do you think, Peter? Well, based on the, let me just make a, a statement based on what you have said before, you know, um, say Nigeria is a failed state. Well, it might appear as that, right? It shows all the symptoms, if, if, if that makes, if I may, right? But it's very, very salvageable. You know, what it has or what she needs is having the right people, the qualified people, giving them the opportunity to come in and do the right thing. Yeah, but you can't get those people in power if your elections are not free and fair. In well, the well, past, Nigerians' election used to be free, but not fair. Now it's not free. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> well, well, you see, uh, part of leadership, right, is, is, is not about micromanaging. It, you can have the power, you can be the leader, but you see, the test of true leadership is you being able to assemble the right team based on competence, not based on my person or based on compensation. And that's the problem Nigeria has. People want to surround their cronies because they're scared. They don't want somebody who's going to rat them out. That's what it is. You know, back to this whole... Um, Nigeria. Nigeria should be without Nigeria should be. There are some things 
I don't want I some information I'm privy to, and I don't want to speak to it based on certain things, right? But I say this. How do you rate a parent? Who has the can provide two two me two square meals, not three now, two square meals meals for their kids, deciding that they are going to drive the initiative of ensuring their neighbor's kids can have three cost meals on a daily a misplaced priority now the reasons behind that is up for debate we know what the signals are we know what the intentions are it's going to play out. We're all going to see, right? But you swear and you took an oath. You swore. Your oath is and your allegiance is to your country and her citizens. That's priority one. And then nothing is secondary. Those things don't matter in Nigeria. It's an oath. Uh, so, so now, if you say, okay, well, from a political standpoint, you say, okay, I want to be relevant in the global stage. So I need to act powerful. I need to act like I know what I'm doing. You need to be asking yourself, the people I want to go and dine with and pray with, are they really respecting me for who I am or what I've done for my people? Or are they respecting or appearing to respect me for what they, for their own interest? Now they say, I think I mentioned this in the last time, if you're in a, if you're in a business deal and there are negotiations going on and you cannot identify I'll use the word, the weak link. In other words, the person who has the poorest bargain on that table, then no, you're the one. But again, it might be, when you are, it might be a, um, a segue to something that you're looking for. Now the question is, okay, are you put, you're, putting, you're putting self before your nation and her citizens. We can, di di we can dissect this question in different ways, mm. but you see, eventually it's going to come out of the open. Those who are right will be right. Those who are wrong will be wrong. Those who allow themselves to be wrong, they will find out, right? But the question is going to be at why should you want, at whose expense? You know, the greed, selfishness is natural with humans. It doesn't have to do with your religion, your tribe, or whatever, right? 
the question is, okay, well, if you don't really have empathy and you don't really have the skill for leadership, what business do you have? So are you saying you can't give what you don't have? You cannot, you, you cannot, right? And then you have power, what next? You misapplied. We're all going to, like I always say this, I'm like, we're all going to walk, we're, we're just on a journey. Mm. Nobody's going to live here forever. And when you're living, you're not taking anything with you. Nada. The most important thing is the impact you left. How do you want to be remembered? Or how are you going to be remembered? Well, so, that again, people don't really care. They're like, oh, whatever, people, I'm gone, I'm gone. That's, what, that's, that's the mentality, right? Clearly, the ship of state is rudderless from, I mean, from all indication from what you're saying. And we don't have any business even discussing what's happening in the day or going there and all that because we don't have a leadership, supposedly. Look at it. You're not running a, this is democracy, right? Regime. Mm -hmm. Look at how that decision was made. No diplomacy, no nothing. And then, I, there was one of the one of the meetings they had, and then I saw somebody say one of the guys who was driving a meeting say something about it's 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 and this is what he said, you know, when they had all these other um, countries in that meeting, he's like, it's a disrespect. Like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. He's, it's more like it's a disrespect to the president of. Now you see ego. It's not about leadership. So now. They've made a decision, they've given an ultimatum before considering diplomacy. But what they're trying to do is, okay, let's say we're going to apply diplomacy, but let's fit that request within that initial deadline we've provided. So you see, it's all optics. Because if you're truly that, you, you can say, okay, uh, we made a mistake, or we're going, to, we're going to like think through this whole thing. You can move your deadline out. And give her, but no, you, you've already made that, that deadline. Then you're like, oh shoot, we didn't give the op we didn't give them the option of um, diplomacy. We might, we might come across as funny. Okay, let's give them um, that option in between. Whilst still maintaining that, a struggle for power. Let me let me go to Adejumo. Adejumo, what do you think will be the outcome of all this? Yeah. I mean. We've discussed mm -hmm. it in the past with other forums and all that. What's your yeah. take on the entire thing? So, yeah, real quick, because of our time, I'll just touch the items, but real, real quick. Nigeria is not yet a failed state. In my, you know, a lot of the indices are checked. Uh, but if you look at a failed state in the, in the sense of what Somalia was at the time, what Yemen has been for some time, we still have a, we have a core that can be, there's a, there's a chance for salvaging. The core is still there. Um, even though the country itself has taken a lot of beating. So we are not yet failed yet. Um, the CIA prediction that Nigeria will have fallen apart as at, I don't know, five years ago, for some reason we're still hanging on. So uh, we keep hope alive. Then secondly, I want to quickly touch on the topic of the day, which is the economy, which, and what I want to say is the economy is really bad right now. I think that our leadership needs to be responsible they shouldn't ask Nigerians to sacrifice while they are living large. Um, recently, the Senate was going to spend $70 billion naira to buy cars. 
Today, news came out that the uh, Kebi state governor has just issued 675 million naira to buy furniture for local government chairman. At the same time, you are telling Nigerians that um, sacrifice, sacrifice, because things are going to get better. You know, much of leadership is about setting, is about, you know, virtual signaling, giving hope to the people. So if you're asking our people to sacrifice, people are hungry, right? People are trekking in Lagos, trekking long distances because they can't afford uh, transport fare. So please, Nigerian leaders need to be more responsible. They need to lead in the sacrifice. Uh, you know, they are asking Nigerians to make. So I just want to drop that now. As regarding Niger Republic, absolutely, I do I do not think that the matter even warrants a military invasion at all. The military coup was bloodless. Like Wala said today on ZRS TV, nobody was killed. The president that was outstanding was not killed. His family was not injured. Nobody has been killed. Now you want soldiers to go and kill each other. For what? what? For what? What are you trying to salvage? That's number one. Number two, going back to Nigeria's economy, we've closed our border with the Nigerian Republic. We do about $1 billion a year in trade along those lines. A lot of the communities in the north who depend on the trade that coming from Niger right now, they have been cut off from the economic source. That's going to get worse. That's going to fuel more banditry. That's going to fuel more Boko Haram. And that's going to affect Nigeria, not Nigeria especially. So that's part of it. But lastly, the main point that I want to make on this issue is about democracy itself. Because the guys that is going on between, between the West and, and ECOWAS, is that they're trying to go restore constitutional order to restore democracy. Let's talk about democracy for a brief minute. Democracy is a vehicle. It's not an end goal. It is not. It is a vehicle to deliver good governance. It's a vehicle to deliver a good economy and to deliver, to deliver you know, fundamental human rights to the people. If the vehicle is not working, people are going to drop off that vehicle. And so far, so good. Democracy has not really, really served a lot of African countries. It has not put food on their table. It has not ensured that their leaders are accountable. It's not, it's just not working, which is why you see a lot of Nigerians supporting this military coup. Today, our embassy, Nigeria's embassy, was burnt in Nehami today because of what ECOWAS is doing, because Nigerians were tired of their democratically, so-called democratically elected leader, because it's not delivering to them. Like, there's no point. The UAE has a, UAE has a, they have kings over there, right? Saudi Arabia has kings. Some places may even have a dictator. Who cares? As long as the people can live, as long as the people can breathe. Look at Nigeria with our democracy. The Senate president was mocking Poor people was making a mockery of poor people. So eventually, if Western-style democracy does not deliver comfort to African people, Africans are going to disconnect from democracy. It's 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 it's, it's inevitable because the problems of the West that that created democracy are not our problems. At the time when democracy started, George Washington, President Washington in America, and wanted to be president and declare these terms, it wasn't food as existence we were fighting for. We were fighting for 
to be recognized, to be almost like their rights as people, to be away from the British. They had a completely different set of problems. In Africa, our problems are basic. Food, water, basic electricity. So if that is not coming through, it doesn't matter what France wants. And honestly, it doesn't matter what the US wants. Africans as people will not jump on it. Also, democracy is for citizens. Africans are really not citizens. This is important. If you are not well informed, if you cannot make your choices without the duress of cash, democracy won't work for you. Like what we have in Nigeria is not really democracy. What we have in Africa is not really democracy. So some really, but I think it's a discussion that we need to have at some point to say, what exactly are we doing? Do we need to go back and create our own version of what this democracy means? That we involved our own traditional institutions that people actually respect and are accountable to, to a certain degree. Because the disconnect between our democratically elected leadership and our people is very, very wide. The accountability is non-existent. Non-existent. It's really not working. So I don't think Nigeria should go in. I think it's a misplaced priority, like Peter said. I think President Tidubu is trying to curry to the wishes of the West in order to gain some credibility, some acceptance to, to establish his himself in the seat. That is, for me, that is what really, was really driving our president. And we should just, we should just not do it. We should not kill our brothers. We should not exchange gunfire with our brothers because of this coup. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, well, like it's Atlanta discussed. My name is Kiladi Balogun. I have with me Adejuwa and Jory and Peter Guriku. Fantastic guys, erudite scholars, always going for the juggler, straight to the point, fantastic analysis. But you see, when I said Nigeria was the first day, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at us being a glorified Eritrea in, in the nearest future. And that, for the country with the largest concentration of black people with all the oil, I mean, Saudi Aramco, Saudi Aramco declared a profit of $160 billion. NNPC, Nigeria National Petroleum Corporation, in the last six to seven years, has not declared a naira of profit. We don't even see their books. You know, and, and the Saudis are not even obligated to tell the world how much they, they make. You know, you can see the development and what have you. So I will stick with what I said there. Well, I pray something changes in the future. I don't see how, I don't see when. I look at my, <laughs> my, my what should I say, focal point, my rising, my present, everything. I, I mean, the money tells the day. I mean, the youths of Nigeria are already disoriented, you know, they, their priorities are already misplaced, they are not rational in thinking. Dangote is bringing a, a, a large number of Indians to come and help work on his refinery. It shows that clearly India is invested in vocational education. We are not. So you can only get a good result if you lay the good foundation. Nigeria has not done that. It's possible that sometime in the future that, yeah, I do think we need to hit a big rock and bounce back, recalibrate. I think I think Nigeria is on the verge of that. How that's going to happen, when it's going to happen, I don't know. So we're still on Atlantic Discover. I'm going to ask one more question for you guys, Joe. 
the election tribunal, they finished all their major work. There's still the appeal court. I know for the presidential election, it can still go to the Supreme Court, so it's not going to end at the verdict. But you guys think justice will be done. Let me start with you, Adejo. I know it's a tough call. I know it's <laughs> it's a dider here or there. The so was it, so was it a question? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, with I mean, today, some guy was uh, was pulled out, was disqualified for forgery in Kano. And the guy just won one forged document, you know. So, I mean, when somebody's got five, six, seven, four, four, you know, I mean, it's a tough call. What do you think? Hmm. Will justice be done? Will justice Honestly, be done? I don't know. I cannot be sure. It seems the whole thing seems like a slam dunk mm. from the beginning. It seems like why why is this even a case? You know, I remember <laughs> Salut Subuari. Uh -huh. We didn't start catching people for forgery. Toronto, you remember Toronto? Our yeah, very Toronto first now, yeah. under Obasanjo. You know, they, uh -huh. got, they got the guy. They got him out. Obasanjo. I mean, I, I, to a certain degree, he showed some integrity there. Mm -hmm. This current one. The the cases of of Mr. Miss whatever is there are so many they are so blatant that ordinarily you should say oh this is a slam dunk case is done but you know it's Nigeria you don't know what to expect so I don't know um, I hope that justice is done um, I hope that justice is done I hope that the obedient movement stays strong. Now, even if the justice is not done, I hope that the obedient movement stays strong, stay together, maintain the core, so that we can launch another attempt if justice is not done. Peter, do you think justice will be done? Like they say, there's an active investigation going on. Okay. So we shall leave that to the authorities in charge and they will let us okay. decide. Uh I like that. It's a, I like it's a, that. It's a politician. I know. I like that. I like that. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I know that judiciary is corrupt, but I've thought about it. You know, it's, I don't think there's any way out of it. I don't think so. I've spoken to people, lawyers, as a. Tell me the name now. Government magic. They've gone to the red into blue. Government <laughs> magic. It would be good. You see, that's, that's the thing. It would be good to see that magic. But I'll, I'll tell you before we go here yeah? if they create a magic, despite all the incontrovertible evidence, that, in my opinion, yeah, will be the final nail on that coffin, proving that it is. A field state, Tanagra is a field state. You understand? And that's that's what I think. So, guys, thank you for coming. Peter and Adejuma, you guys are awesome. Discussion is always vibrant, robust, and very healthy. You know, and you guys are everybody talks about you, and I'm sure we're gonna bring you back. I like that topic you said we should talk about. It's democracy, what we really need in Africa. Mm -hmm. I'm sure maybe in another two or three weeks we'll come back and discuss it. I've been thinking about it too. I mean, everybody look at Kagame. Kagame is not really practicing democracy, but it's getting the job done. If Mobutu had meant well, he would have delivered the goods. You Look at Gaddafi. 
But that's what did well for us. You know, Ayadema. So, mm -hmm. Peter, thank you for coming. Adejimo, thank you for coming. Guys, it's a wrap. All our listeners and viewers, thank you for your loyalty always. We're going to be back next weekend with another fantastic topic, something that will touch you, something that you all want to talk about. We all learn every day. That's why it's Atlanta Discourse. We need to discuss. We need to keep the discussion running. Thank you, guys. Take care. God bless you all. Bye. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. Yeah.